This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Uh, uh, very good. impressed with the student athletes last hour, as Holy usual. Yeah. Always great. And David Hill. And Jamie Ortega is still to come uh, at 9.30. Mike Rooney will be here in a few minutes. We'll get caught up on all the baseball. and We'll have some topics about, you know, we'll do a little bracketology with baseball. How many teams you think right now. By the way, can I say something? You just hit a nerve. I, I know what you saw yesterday. I knew it. I knew I was not going to talk about this today. I saw it last night, too, and I know what you're doing. I know exactly where you're going. I know exactly where you're going. I got to say it because I, 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 have, I have it in my notes, and I wasn't going to bring it up. No, and then I, you just said the word. I said, I know, oh, I forgot I, to do and this. And the minute I said it, I thought, oh, no, I wasn't going to do this today because I didn't. I, okay, go ahead. I got good news, and I got bad news. What do you want first, the good news? You want the good news first? No, I want the bad news first. The bad news, I'm getting ready to give you this segment. That's the bad news. That's why I asked for the bad news first because I knew what it was. The good news is bracketology is out. It is April the 20th. For next year. Yeah, I'm not, yeah we're talking about March of 23. Bracketology. Joe Lenardi has got bracketology out already. Here's the good news, ACC fans. There are six teams that have secured a bid for the 23 NCAA men's basketball tournament. Hey, North Carolina, you want me to ruin it for you? Or do you want to actually have the season first? I'm just going to tell you. You are a two seed, Hubert Davis. You are a two seed. You're going to be playing Vermont in the first round of the NCAA men's basketball tournament 11 months from now. Hey, Duke, you're a three seed. You're going to be opening up with Liberty, all right? Liberty. Who you got, John Shire? Hey, Virginia. Wahoo wah. Welcome back. Welcome yeah, back. You're back. You got everybody back. K.A. Clark's back for his 19th year. Yeah. Virginia is an eight seed and will open up with Memphis. Memphis. Now we got double-digit seeds. Coach Young at Virginia Tech, you're an 11 seed. You get Texas. Apparently, there's a sense of humor in the committee. Virginia Tech and Texas, again, a rematch. Florida State, Leonard Hamilton, you're back. Welcome back. Coach Ham, you're an 11 seed. You're opening up with Dayton. Notre Dame, Mike Bray. Play-in game. Play-in game Play-in. against Florida. Against the Gators. By the way, Florida, I think, as I read, was the last team selected yep. for the field. Hey, Brad Brunell, got bad news for you. Again, you're close. Next four out. Was that it? Next, Next four, four out. out. Yeah. Clemson. So there it is. I don't want to ruin the by whole the way, basketball season for you for next year, but Joe Lenardi's already got it figured out. For by you. the way, Billy Taylor, former Fran McCaffrey assistant at Iowa, played at Notre Dame with LaFonzo Ellis, was just hired as the coach at Mighty Elon yesterday. Is he in the for- field for next year? Did you see Mighty Elon? I didn't look for Elon. Okay. I'm sensing that would be a no, be my guess. Can can I just say but Kentucky, Houston, did, UCLA, Baylor, you are the top seeds apparently absolutely already. Ridiculous. So if you don't want to absolutely you want to ridiculous. fast forward to the whole hoop season for next year and just go right to March. There it is. Joe Lenardi's got it figured out I, for you. Six I, ACC teams got in. Okay. What are we doing? Was was LSU on that list? 
I didn't look for a list. Was Arkansas on that list with 21 players? Uh, yes, Arkansas was on the list. Okay, if Arkansas's on that list. Twice, I think. <laughs> they're a two seed. They're, they're I'm getting Brooks telling me they're a two seed. And their backup was and like a 10 How seat. many players do they have on the roster now? Two dozen. Yeah. I Listen, I, <laughs> I saw it and I went, oh, for crying out loud. It's freaking April 20th. And we're going bracketology already? We don't even know what a roster looks like. Can can we write those down, make notes, and report back next spring as to how many that were converted? No, I, I don't want to do that. I, I mean, I really don't want to do that. What about I, Wake I, Forest? I, I cringed when I just when saw, I saw that yesterday. I went, for heaven's sake, saw it. I had to write it down. We notes. were two. By the way, Syracuse not on the list. Nope. Not even next four? Can't find them. No. Can I say we are we were two weeks away from the final four. We've got one point seven million in the portal. Yeah. However many. Fourteen hundred and nineteen. And we are releasing Bracketology. That. Yeah. We already got to figure it figured out. So congratulations to the six ACC men's teams. You have locked and loaded your spot in the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Who knew? But we're good to go. All right. Let's get you caught up. A uh, couple of uh, highlight games last night in uh, involving ACC baseball teams. And good news. 2-0 and against the SEC. Well, I mean, listen, Louisville owns Kentucky. They've beaten them 13 in the last 16. Right. And uh, bounced back from their Florida State weekend. That's it. Right. We're going to have Mike Rooney coming in here in a little bit, breaking this, all this stuff down. And yeah. Clemson beat Georgia and swept them. Tigers are 5-0 and against the Southeastern Conference in baseball. There you go. So, uh, Cards got a first-inning home run yesterday and rode that wave all the way to the end. There it is. Getting the first. Sam Ravitch with the call. The ball out of here. Cards on the board and on their way. 4-2 the final. Nice win for Kentucky. Here's the one that sealed it. A little two-run single into left. Told you I like this they rivalry the because of the colors, before it gets man. to the plate. Yeah, like it's a great color, color rush. Right, game. it's a great colored rivalry. Yep. Right, in terms of the red and the blue, it's yep. stark. Both fan bases are great, and they get into it. Let's roll the video from Foley Field down in Athens last night too, because uh, Monty Lee and the Tigers on the road, huh? Yeah, Tigers struggling with the ball. ACC, but not a problem against the SEC. French hits that off the daggone Foley Field scoreboard. Yeah, Tigers jumped out. I think they were up four zip. Georgia tied it, and uh, Clemson pulled away later innings. Man. By the uh, way, it's a great midweek series to play. Yeah. Because you got a lot of guys from both states. Yeah. There are a lot of Clemson kids from the Atlanta area. Georgia gets some players from South Carolina, Greenville area. It, good cross section. Hey, when they're 65 miles apart, you got to play. You, those two yeah. should play. Those two really should play yep. every sport. Against each other at some point in time. Uh, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Miami, uh, Wake Forest, also winners last night in the ACC. Good night for the league. VCU did beat Virginia. Yeah, we got to jumpstart the Who's, man. That's <laughs> yeah, my goal moving check forward. With, I got to find some. Check O'Connor on that. I Liberty, got to find something Duke. positive to jumpstart the Who's. Yeah, Jackets uh, beat the Mercer Bears 15-2. to And North Carolina got the Campbell Camels. That game also on ACC Network yeah. last night. VCU, a 
winner of Virginia in the 10. And then later today, PNC Park in Pittsburgh, 1 o'clock. It's available on the app, by the way, Pittsburgh and uh, West Virginia. Uh, congratulations this morning to Emily Harris-Chuck. Uh, she broke a school record, 262 goals in uh, women's lacrosse, passing her head coach, Kayla Trainer, and the terrific mark she set as a player from 2013 to 2016. Harris-Chuck increased her point total to 328. She's seven away from fourth all-time at Syracuse. Uh, Megan Tyrell also reached a milestone in the win. She has three assists. She's got 102 in her career, fifth player in program history with at least 100 assists. Do we have some scores in this league in women's lacrosse or what? Yeah, we got people that can put the ball in that. Guarantee. That's why what Sophia LaRose is doing and nine straight wins for Duke is crazy. Pretty strong. Uh, And we showed you this briefly. I want to roll this going to break again. Um, This is awesome. This mural celebrating women's athletics – and Title IX, 50 years at, at Syracuse University. Uh, just a tremendous piece unveiled yesterday. And, of course, uh, John Wildhack overseeing all that and taking care of it. And uh, it was done by Alexis Muhammad, illustrator and concept artist from downstate New York, and a uh, 21 graduate of Syracuse University. Very cool. I yep. love that. Great stuff. Really neat. So there you go. And uh, we mentioned this uh, earlier in the week, by the way. Uh, tennis starts today in Rome. Yep. At the uh, Rome Tennis Center near Fighting Berry College. And uh, not far from our Murchie, Georgia, which is a suburb of Rome. And uh, You'd have to be a local to know that. You would, but it's good. I'm just passing it along. Rome Tennis Center is kind of on the our Murchie side of Rome. And then uh, we'll get golf going this weekend down on the uh, Gulf. Sandestin area, Destin, Florida, at Shark's Tooth. Great course, golf course. Duke, North Carolina, women's lacrosse tomorrow night for the ACC yeah. regular season title. It's yeah. a big deal. It's going to be go. great. Yep. And when we come back, shoot, we're going to get fully in the pool of college baseball. Mike Rooney joins this program next, kids. How many teams from the ACC does Mike have in potential NCAA tournament consideration? We'll talk about it next right here on Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. We welcome Coach Rooney back to Packer and Durham this morning. I think he's already got a little steam in his stride out there in the Southwest this morning. Let's go. All right. I'm going to go. We look, We just ran off the scores from last night. Louisville was a winner. Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Miami, Wake, Georgia Tech. So on and so forth. Carolina. How many right now today, Mike, how many ACC teams do you think are NCAA tournament worthy? Yeah, that's a great question. So worthy, I'd say there's 11. You know, it's hard to pull that off. There's still five more weeks. So can you pull it off for five more weeks? I think ultimately the number is going to be 10, which would be great. Um, You know, that would be the second time in the history of the league they've gotten 10 teams in. And it's only, you know, it tends the record. So I think I think tens in play. But right now, you know, Duke, Clemson and BC are the only clubs that you feel like, man, they would have to just do something outrageous to make a run. Everybody else, I feel like is big time in play. Mike, when I talked to you on radio the other day, uh, we were kidding around about how volatile the weekend was. We're 15 of the top 25 teams in the country uh, suffered series losses. Some of those got swept. 
Um, it's just the nature of the beast, isn't it? I mean, it just seems that way, whether we're talking about the ACC or the Pac-12 or anybody in between, mm -hmm. that there's a lot of really good baseball teams. And I know the other day you said, hey, Tennessee may be over here, and then the rest of the crew on any given day, I mean, you can get anything. But it really tends to lead itself to incredible races, uh, whether we're talking about the ACC or any other conference as far as the conference championships, even before we get to the road to Omaha. Yeah, it's been fun. I mean, you know, I, I think the great team we have in college baseball right now is probably Tennessee. I really like Miami and Virginia Tech. Like, it feels like those two clubs could be in that conversation also. But then we just have a lot of really, really good teams. And, you know, one thing we have going on in college baseball this year is we have old hitters and we have young pitchers. And the young pitchers are not being treated well by the old hitters. That, that's just – that's <laughs> happening, right? Like, it's just – we're not welcoming the youngsters into college baseball. We're baptism by fire. And it's been fun. It's been really fun. Um, but it, it's an offensive year in the sport, for sure. Well, and I guess we, we can chronicle that best by talking about Virginia here, right? Because a team that was yep. winning with pitching and defense for, what, 12 years is now winning not only pitching it well, but they are smoking the baseball, Mike. Yeah, and Virginia's got a really fun lineup, too. Mm -hmm. Now, I will tell you, like, the last two weeks for Virginia's got me a little bit um, nervous. But, you know, there's Chris Newell right there, and that kid is a center fielder, center fielder, power, speed. You know, Jake Geloff was the first half of the season national MVP. You know, for Virginia to be doing this, they're replacing 70% of their innings from a team that went to Omaha last year. So it's really impressive what Brian O'Connor and his staff have done. But Virginia's just another great example where – for the you know a good portion of the season, we're thinking, hey, it's Tennessee and Virginia, and now they're ten and eight in the ACC. I mean, this league, there there is a lot of cannibalism going on right now. I think it serves the league well for the postseason, mm -hmm. but it's uh, it's hard to keep your head above water in this league right now. Mike, you mentioned to me the other day you thought that the ACC may have the best quality depth of any league in the country, and that's no disrespect to whether we're talking about the Pac-12, the SEC, the Big Twelve, or anybody else. Uh, do we still believe that even after a, a volatile weekend and even uh, early uh, results from this week that the ACC top to bottom may be, may be the very best league? Yeah, I, I would say, Pac, actually, I'm more convicted on it, right? Like, it's just the league is a mosh pit right now. And like, so I'll use BC as an example. So BC is the team that has struggled the most. But you look at that roster. I mean, Luke Gold is a, you know, for sure big leaguer. And so there's talent on the BC roster. And, you know, with Mike Gambino, they always play hard. Clemson was the team that you, you start to feel like you could walk away from. But they had an insane unbeaten streak to start the season. They swept South Carolina. Um, you know, Duke is the other team that you felt like, okay, I can, Duke, I can put them over here. And, you know, we know what they did last year. They won 12 straight down the stretch, and they end up in the postseason. So, yeah, I just I, I think the next five weeks are going to be crazy in the ACC again. I don't know where you would catch your breath in this deal, um, especially from a pitching staff perspective. Just up and down the league, there are, there are so many great offenses. Uh, it, it, it's a tough, a tough league to pitch in. Mike, here's the other thing, too. and We get to this conversation with college baseball more than we do with any other level of baseball, at least in my mind. And that becomes the ball and the bat right? And this, mm -hmm. the cycling that the sport goes through. And you know what I mean. We were talking about seams of the ball. We were talking about ratios of the bat. But it feels like 
in the last couple of years, and I would, I'm going to take the pandemic out of it a little bit, but it feels like maybe 19, what we got of 20, and now in 22, it feels like we're getting the sport to be calm. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. I, I would, I would say, Wes, I love where we are equipment-wise. I wouldn't change a thing. I think the balls are spot on. I think the bats are perfect. The challenge we have right now is the, you know, the pitching. You know, we've just this year in college baseball, we've had a ton of pitching injuries. I'm, I'm really anxious to see what this is going to look like in MLB. Uh, you know, the pandemic I think has affected pitchers maybe more than any other position group. So I love where we are. Um, you know, college baseball should be offensive. It's I don't I don't know I w- w- you know the dead ball era we had ten years ago with every game's three two and four three and you know we had the outfielders could barely you know they could basically reach out and touch the infielders they were playing so shallow I don't ever want to go back to that um, you know the, the pitch if if pitchers were more healthy um, coming out of the pandemic maybe it's even more even but I'm with you you know like I, I want college baseball to be slightly offensive. And I think we're in a really good place equipment-wise. Okay. I'm okay with the occasional wiffle ball game, all right? I mean, I saw that the other <laughs> night with Texas A&M in Georgia where the Aggies scored like 10 in the ninth or something, right? I'm okay with that. But I just like the competitive nature we're getting of this. I, I think we've we, – and you know this better than anybody else we talked to. They jacked around with – Danny Hall and I had bat ratio conversations for nearly 10 years. Plus five, plus three, now composite, all that. They got that part right. Then they had to fix the ball. We got all the smart – it's amazing, Pac. We got all the smart people in college baseball together, and now we got technology working profitably in every imaginable process, I think. Yeah, and, and you know, obviously we've had some bat controversy this year with the hot bats, but I think that's very fixable too. And, you know, I, I don't know. What's the expression? Like it's – it's um, whenever there are rules, there will, there will be people that will try to work through the rules and, and hey that's just we just have to we have to be good at enforcement right like that's hey. just all there is to it when it's highly competitive people are going to um stretch the boundaries but I, i'm with you Wes. like i i like where we're at and i i, I think our postseason could be just spectacular right yeah. now i mean there's a, such a great depth of teams um it, it's going to be hard to predict what happens in the postseason mike uh a pitch clock is being used in minor league baseball mm-hmm. uh, do we need that in college baseball yeah Come on, Mike. Well, we, we, we've got it, and it gets – here's the problem in college baseball is what I don't like about the pitch clock is we have it, we enforce it, you know, all over the map during the regular season, and then the postseason when there's a lot of eyeballs, then we start to get really strict with it, which is it, – it should be the opposite. Um, I would tell you guys that um, with the pitch clock, I, I think there's tweaks that need to happen. But the good news is the technology is moving faster than the rules. And, you know, stuff like the pitch com, where you see the pitchers with they've got the, the signal device on their wrists. That has changed things immensely. I would like to see every team doing that, where the pitching coach is just plugging in a pitch to the catcher and the pitcher. You don't have to worry about um, hiding your signs or anything like that. It's in there. If anything, it's rushing the hitters. So I think we've got a chance to really improve in pace of play. The pitch clock makes me really nervous. Remember, in the national championship game last year, Kumar Rocker, his 39th start, the kid from Vandy, and he gets a pitch clock violation in game three of the College World Series. He had never gotten a violation before in his career. That doesn't feel right to me. That feels crazy when things are the most tense for these kids that we're asking them to rush. 
So I think we've got work to do there. But but hey, you guys know I'm the biggest college baseball apologist ever. We do need to speed our game up. You know, like that's 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 a fact. You know, as much as I love our game, moving the pace of the game behooves us. West Durham, this is right down your alley. Mike, thank you. Thank you for defending. <laughs> there, there, we don't need the step out after every pitch. We don't need to go mm-hmm. the back of the mound every other pitch, right? I mean, the idea is we got to keep things going here. The other thing, too, and this has been discussed now, Pac. We didn't bring this up earlier in the show, Mike. I've heard more about mid-inning pitch change this year than I have all year long. I, I don't know where that topic germinated from, but in the college game, I've heard about mid-inning pitch change now this year shoot three times in the last two and a half weeks of watching games yeah i i think there there's that, that's complicated there's a couple things there the one thing about the pitch clock guys that makes me nervous and again this is where the technology you know the catchers with the ear butt in yeah. you know all the technology for pitch signaling is really important because with a man at second base we're asking a lot of these pitchers right we got to have these crazy signs so you don't get picked at second base you've got runners on base there's a lot going on that's where the pitch clock makes me nervous but we got to do something. And, and again, the technology like Pitchcom, all of this stuff is helping. Um, so, you know, the offensive timeouts, I, I'd like to just get rid of them. Maybe have one per game would be great. The, the pitch changes are tricky because I, I think we've got a little bit of a pandemic in pitching when it comes to uh, we're just not throwing strikes. You know, yeah. we're, we're chasing velocity. We're chasing great pitches. And we're not, we, we, we're not growing strike throwers. And that leads to more pitching changes. And so that's one of the things I'm really – maybe it's the youth of the pitchers that we referred to earlier. I wish we were throwing better strikes because when you don't command the baseball, that leads to coaches taking you out of the game. So, I, I, you know, and, and hey, we're not built up the way we probably would be if there never was a pandemic. There's a lot going on there. But you're right. We're seeing a ton of pitching changes, and nothing slows games down more than pitching changes. All right. Let me uh, – I want to run a couple by you here. Uh We've already talked about who's the most dangerous team in the ACC going down the stretch here. I know we got a month left, but when we get that gets us through Charlotte and the championship. Who's the most dangerous team in your mind down the stretch? Yeah, dangerous. I'm going to take Virginia Tech. I, I love that position player group. I think Virginia Tech's position player group can play with anybody, including Tennessee. Oh, wow. Ooh. Uh, now, they Kevin, don't have the pitching, clearly, but nobody yeah. does. The Phillies don't well, have the pitching Tennessee does. <laughs> <laughs> We can't talk about the Giants yet. Pac, we're not talking about the Giants yet. Uh, Okay, so we know John Sefcik's done a terrific job, by the way, in Blacksburg. And I say it all the time. He did a great job at Maryland. He's done a great job at Virginia Mm -hmm. Tech. Um, Kevin Parada leads the nation in home runs. Best hitter in the ACC since? Best college hitter since? You tell me. Man, I mean, he is – I I mean, the comp that – I mean, Buster Posey is the name that comes to mind. And the reason that's huge, right? Like Mike Martin, you know, 11 would probably delete me from his phone for saying that. (laughs) But I would say that, uh, you know, the reason I say that is Parada, it's 18 home runs. But guys, this guy can hit like it's not the home runs. This kid's a hitter and he's just hitting home runs. That's why, you know, and he's just intelligent. He's a, you know, and he's a catcher. So, yeah, this kid is a player. He's a big leaguer for sure. There is nothing more that I can add to this conversation <laughs> after the reference of the retired Buster Posey 
Thanks, his three Thanks, World Rubes. Series Thanks, championships. Thanks. That's all, That's all we need to do is just get him started on the Giants. Rose. Buster That's Posey all is my guy. I would oh, love to have Buster Posey you. on the show. Uh, that is on my wish list. And as soon as I heard Buster Posey, there is nothing more than I can add yep. to this conversation. That's it. That is it. Thank you. Mike Rooney's work love is it. done here. Mike drop. <laughs> Mike, yeah. Mike Rooney, your work oh, is man. done. Bless your heart. Uh, Thank you as always. It's great to see you. Look forward to this time of year because we get we get your great insight and commentary on this game. Be well. Yeah, you too. Be well, boys. See ya. All right, Mike Rooney. Terrific as always. When we come back, off to Chapel Hill. Oh, you know, we're going to get Jamie Ortega to talk about scoring. We've had Sophia LaRose talk about stopping it. And we've had a Buster Buster reference. Yeah, we've already had Buster Posey references. Nothing more. Jamie Ortega joins this program next ahead of Duke Carolina Women's Lacks tomorrow night on this very channel. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Please welcome uh, one of the dominant players in uh, in college lacrosse and uh, friend of the show. Yep. How many appearances is this for Jamie this Ortega? This would be number two. Wait a second. Yeah. Two? Wait, wait. Jamie Ortega's only been on here twice? She scores more often than she does when she's on with us. i got to be honest here, Jamie. That's <laughs> our fault. That's our mistake. That's I mean, right. I know you That's you and Katie were on together last year, right? That's it. That was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. you got to be kidding me. Yeah, but we've had Sophia on twice representing Duke and now Jamie on twice. So it's an even balance of the shades of blue getting after I'll it on the it. Thursday night. <laughs> yeah, see, Jamie feels yeah. good because we're fair and balanced That's here. We're it. handling this the way you like to. Yeah, All right, definitely. so this thing tomorrow night, we get mm-hmm. Duke Carolina in our head, right? You understand it's the basketball, it's football, it's women's, oh, well, yeah. whatever. So Duke Carolina women's lacrosse, is that a thing? It's a thing, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's big, big for us. It's always a good thing. <laughs> better blue, you know? I got you. I'm with you. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, we, we just talked to Sophia, and we asked her about, you know, seeing Charlotte North, and now we back it up, and here comes Jamie. Here you come rolled in there. And I will tell you, the respect factor that she had for all of you, the great offensive attackers, uh, was pretty evident. Um, but this is a different game, isn't it? This is, and I know everybody says, oh, it's one game, but this one really matters. This one means more than just a W uh, in the win column, does it not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they just upset BC a few days ago, which was really huge, kind of shook a lot of the ACC play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's always been such a big game against us. And at this point, they have nothing to lose. They've been playing great. And, you know, we have a little more to lose, but also kind of also to see how good we are and what how we play against great competition and another great team who's going to pull all their stops to, you know, get in the way of us winning. Jamie, I also sense as great as this program is and the win streaks and, and go through all the numbers, but I don't have to. It would seem to me there would be more pressure on you, but I get a sense that that's exactly how you like it. I mean, I think your team is built where we expect the pressure, we embrace it, and now let's go play. Yeah, I mean, when you come here to UNC, you know that what the expectations are of the team, of yourself. You know, you're going to be playing these great teams. You're going to be, you know, in close games where you might have to step up or someone else has to step up, like, there's going to be 
you know, these standards for how you play, you know, how you excel in the field. And, but it's exciting, you know, it's fun. That's why you come to Carolina. You want to be the best. And, you know, sometimes you have to protect the Carolina name at all times. Jamie, you guys have been so good for so many years. I mean, everybody knows about this streak in the regular season and all this stuff. But I want to get to the differentials between like this year and last year. I mean, what what stands out with you about this particular team? And obviously, you're having a great year, but it's it's a collaborative effort. What what sticks out most about this particular team for you? Thinking about last year's team, last year's team, we kind of hit our peak. We hit our best pretty early in season. And it's very hard when you feel like everything is going so perfectly to figure out where else you have to improve on. Hmm. And this year, yes, we've been having a great season. We've been doing so well. People are meshing. But there's also so much we still have to improve on, which is exciting. Hmm. You know, I think it's great coming into practice every week and being like, we have to work on this. We have to work on that. And, you know, as long as we keep learning and improving in these areas where we're not as strong, you know, I think that's really good for us. Jamie, you're known as a great scorer, but, you know, is that the most satisfying part of the game for you is scoring? Or is there another piece of the game that you take equal, if not more, satisfaction out of? Probably at the end of the game when I'm running to Taylor to celebrate winning. (laughs) Probably say that's more satisfying. (laughs) I like that answer, too. Um, All right, let's get to some of these marks here. You need 17 points to become the ACC's career points leader. Uh, Jen Adams had a marvelous career at Maryland. Everybody remembers that. What is there anything in particular about this that that you pay attention to, or is this just day-to-day, game-to-game for you? Yeah, I would say probably more game-to-game. You know, obviously, records are going to be broken – in my in this season but it's also like not my biggest priority or at the top of my head every time I play I'm more of focused on you know us just winning and being a good teammate but it also is cool I mean especially you know Judd Adams such a legend ahead of me (laughs) being able to say I'm in the same conversation as her is pretty remarkable do you remember the wins or the losses more Mm losses um especially because every time I have lost in the past few years it's been the one that ends my season so I think that hits a little bit more home yeah it's uh well I'll tell you this the other thing too this league is so good right I mean this <laughs> league is just out of sight when it comes to you know talent in this particular sport every game is a challenge and it feels like and I was telling Sophia this Dana Boyle was with us a couple of weeks ago and she was talking about Duke potentially making this move. And the move has actually happened for Duke. You guys have been that kind of standard. It, that's what makes tomorrow night even more intriguing for me is because of where you guys, your, the story of your seasons kind of colliding here for the top seed in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it'll be a great game. And I think Duke is a team that they play to their opponent's level. And, you know, you saw that in Boston. Boston's a great team. Duke played exactly to their level and yeah. even more. So I think when they play against us, it's also our senior game. It's a night game, last regular season. You know, they don't, you know, there's the Duke-UNC 
feud between the two teams. So there's so many things adding up into this game that makes yeah. it even bigger than just a regular season game. Hmm. Uh, I want to pivot to one thing here. Uh, and, and I don't mean to say that we have put one over the other, but it has been a conversation of Jamie Ortega and Charlotte North for us a lot this spring. Um, number one, how well do you all know each other? And number two, um, are you different players? Are you different players who succeed at doing the same thing? Yeah, I'm actually pretty close with her. I think over the few months we did U.S. together, mm -hmm. she super, super nice girl. You know, she's one of those players you hate playing against because she's so good. <laughs> but off the field, she's just so nice. No, she's normal. You know, she's just like every one of us. She's just a normal girl who loves the cross. And um, I think we play very differently. I think, you know, I wouldn't say I'm an outside ripper like her. Um, and I think how we dodge, how we play is very different, but we also still have the end goal of just creating flow for the offense and being that type of leader. And, you know, if goals come out of it, great. If not, that's okay. Um, but kind of just being the leader on the offense, I think I see similarities in both of us. Um, totally offbeat question. Do you have any superstitions on game day? Um, sometimes I'll have to listen to the same music. Ooh, um, for almost an, every time. All right. For instance, give me a, for, give me an example. I'll have to listen to like Kanye West. I think I always listen to like homecoming by him. Dreams and Nightmares. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Sometimes I'll do like old Kanye, like strong, like song stronger. Really depends. Um, but I have like a playlist of like the same music I'll always play and listen to. And now I have to wear the same hair tie. Um, if I'm doing well and I have a certain hairstyle in, I'll have to keep doing that. So if you'll see like a, I'll have like an inverted braid. Um, that's just superstitious at this point, not for style. You know, Jamie, it's amazing. I did the exact same thing. Yeah, the I, I braid my, is yeah, If I have a good yeah, show, yeah, I, I, I go braid the next day. I, it's amazing yeah. how you and I are on the same page with that. Yeah. Same exact deal. Same yeah. deal. Um, I want to. It's funny you, you talk about listening to Kanye West because I think of your. We were talking about you and Charlotte in in terms of the way you help your teams. Uh, and we asked somebody this. I think it was Dana who talked to us about yours is more the the speed and the and the elusiveness, right? And Charlotte mm -hmm. is more maybe a power game in terms of lacrosse. Do you agree with that? Do you agree with that analogy? Yeah. No. Yeah. Definitely. So when you say you listen to Kanye, I would picture like your game is more jazz and hers might be more rock. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. For sure. Hmm. I can't wait to watch. I mean, yeah. You guys always put on a yeah. show, and the fact that it's the fact that it's prime time at night on television. <laughs> it's Duke. It's Carolina. What's at stake? What Duke just did to knock off BC just sets really the perfect tone for tomorrow night. Yeah. It should be out of sight. Yeah, I'm really excited. It's going to be a really hard game, if not the toughest game we've had all year. Hmm. So I'm excited to see you know how we perform under such great pressure. Well, and think, what we learn from it. I think y'all are going to be out of sight because uh, that's what North Carolina <laughs> Cross does. And I think Duke will raise so. the level, too. That's I think it's going to be awesome. I do. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, we always appreciate your time. And, again, uh, it's been a joy to watch you play. Continued success with everything you do. 
Thank you so much for having me. This is Thanks, great. Thanks, Jamie. Yep. Be well. Nice Good luck tomorrow guys. night. Yep. Take care. You too. Be well. Yeah. When we come back, final thoughts on today's show. Couple things here tonight. Boy, we've been really good. Really, really top drawer student athlete visits today. The league's the best. That's what we do, I guess. Uh, when we come back, final thoughts on a Wednesday. We got busy last two days of the week. Talk about that more next. Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. couple of news and notes on the football side here. And this is one yesterday. And this goes along the lines of some of the other stuff that we're seeing, this kind of open-ended piece, right? Tamari Fox, the defensive end at North Carolina, is going to miss the entire regular season after the NCAA denied his appeal yesterday of a year-long suspension for using a banned substance. Uh, He was suspended for Carolina's bowl game. And after he had tested positive for the banned substance, he said he was unaware of the pre-workout supplement that was not approved for use by the NCAA. Fox appealed the suspension. Mac Brown announced Tuesday had been denied. So Carolina loses a defensive end here for a banned substance that's on the NCAA list. Okay, expand this to what we were talking about with David Hale with the NCAA's lack of governance as it relates to some of this other stuff. And when I saw this yesterday, I, we've had players banned before, substance you know, on the list, the, whatever it is. By the way, the banned substance is not necessarily something over-the-counter. It can be something in everyday product, right? Yep. And at the end of the day, the first thing I thought of was, well, where does this fit? in the new world that we're walking into where the NCAA can't seem to have some rule. Oh, but we're going to rule on this. And I'm not saying Tamari Fox is innocent or whatever the case is. How does this fit in this world we're going to live in if we get to power five and church of state separation and all this other stuff? Well, I, I Just I, throws another log in. Well, I'll just say this. I think that's an apple to orange okay. argument because I think what is not happening with any kind of guidelines – and regulations with the transfer portal or name, image, and likeness is a totally separate issue versus the health and safety of a student athlete of sure. what you can and cannot do from a medical standpoint. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't. I don't put them in the same category. Sure. Uh, we've seen stories like this before that involve ACC athletes or anybody else for that matter. And you gotta you gotta be smart if you're a student athlete of what you can take and what you can't take. And then again, I don't know all the details of specifically what he did do here. And I am not going to play the role of a doctor under any circumstance. But you do have to be smart about it. And, you know, I, I remember Clemson had a couple of issues years ago. Right. I, I, again, I don't even know if it's the same situation. Uh, and the players are like, I have no earthly idea where it comes from. And, again, I am not a medic, so I don't know how that goes. But when I saw the story yesterday, I did not put that under the category of, man, it's, here's the NCAA stepping across the lines where they're not doing anything with name, image, and likeness or the transfer report. To me – those are all separate arguments. Yeah. To me. But, you know, here's a guy, Carolina rebuilding the defense, and, you know. No, he was going to be a, a guy who was going to get some serious But he's snaps. eligible for the bowl game. Well, I mean, it's a it's a 365. It's the way I looked at it. Yeah, no, I understand. it is. It's a one-year ban. If you happen to go to a postseason game, you know, you're now outside the one-year window. Right. So you can play. That seems weird. Well, listen, common sense has always been an issue with the NCAA, right? 
We've talked about that. Well, the Ivy League rules, thing we touched on this week. It's just, you know, at some point in time, common sense should come into play. Should. Yeah. Be helpful. No, no doubt. So, this anyway. Is what it is. Uh, good show today. Thanks to everybody, the student-athletes. Again, terrific, right? I, I mean, there's not a show that we get. When we have student-athletes on our show, and it doesn't matter where they go to school. Right. doesn't matter what they major in. doesn't matter what sport they play. Mm-hmm. I, Wes, I swear to you, this is show 611 that we've done on television. Right. Uh, there's never a day that we get done with the show if we've had student athletes on, we go, man, they were really good. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing uh, the quality of the student athlete in this league. It's just mm-hmm. truly, a, it's a compliment to Commissioner Phillips and everybody else, all the ADs, presidents in this league. Mm-hmm. Uh, the quality of the student athlete in this conference is top notch. Really uh, is. By the way, before we go, uh, we appreciate all the patronage our show gets, and there are folks who enjoy seeing Chester and Fuller. Of course. Mick McDaniel sent us a text yesterday of his dog, Tessie, who apparently now is taking Chester and Fuller lessons, just going to sleep right on the keyboard. Well, I would say if that is not a Chester impersonation in every sense of the word, haircut, collar, in position during a show. That's about as accurate as it gets. Big fellas over here. Chester, the leader of the band, is over here behind the table. Because they know, man. They know with, at 9.57, it's about time to go out and explore. With flammable Fuller <laughs> well, on the program a, today. So sulfur biscuits at the Captain Ron over there is uh, showing. i got to get you on a regular diet with the dog. <laughs> that is a regular diet. No, it, it needs to become well, a I mean, little more. You know. You need to maybe toughen up a little bit. I mean, you're whining about how long baseball games are, and now that uh, the dogs are having sulfur biscuits, it's causing some problems. I don't have any problem on this side of the room. Um, we got a full show tomorrow. Sydney Sherrill will be here, return appearance to the program, member of FSU's softball team. Friday, Kevin Parada of Georgia Tech. One yard. The nation's leader in home runs. And Tony Elliott of Virginia in a practice exclusive tomorrow. How about that? Right here on Packer and Durham. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you in the morning at 7. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.